Hey guys, it's Halls, and you are about to experience a Blue Harvest Special Presentation of a little chunk of first the first episode of Your Creepy, featuring the lovely Jesse McGarity and friend of the show, Rebecca O'Hanlon, uh, both obviously great supporters of this goofy little podcast, so you know what? We figured we'd uh, lend them a little hand, so we're going to give you a little preview of their first episode. And if you guys like what you hear, head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Play, and maybe subscribe. Um, they will be on Spotify soon, in the next few weeks, once they have enough episodes to get up on there as well. And keep tuned, or stay tuned, to Your Creepy and Blue Harvest, because in episode three of Your Creepy... We're going to be running a special Blue Harvest giveaway where you guys can win some Blue Harvest swag by listening to episode three of your Creepy. So, guys, sit back, turn off the lights, make it all spooky, and enjoy um, this special presentation. And uh, also enjoy the latest episode of Blue Harvest because it's up on the feed as well. But anyways, guys, take it easy and... uh, Get ready to be spooked. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's Rebecca here with my co-host, Jesse, And this is Your Creepy, a podcast that explores everything scary from the paranormal to the extraterrestrial to the always terrifying human condition. Uh, we wanted to begin our creepy podcast by exploring a series of horror movies uh, that are based on true stories leading up to Halloween. Uh, so we plan on doing one movie each week and then sharing research on the true story that inspired the film. Uh, we want to give you guys insight into the real creepiness behind the movie, as well as provide you with some varying opinions on happenings in each story. Uh, we both love good horror movies, uh, and we have a fair amount of scary stories to share from our own lives. Uh, but because we're also skeptics to some extent, we'll be sure to give you guys both sides of any theory. So, essentially, we'll give you the spoops and the science. Uh, we're also going to... Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Hi, that's Jesse, my co-host. Hey, guys. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, we're also going to try and cover anything in the news that comes up that's particularly creepy. And hopefully, if anyone is listening, uh, we'll get suggestions and personal creepy stories from you guys through emails and tweets. And I'll give that info out at the end. Uh, we'll also put them in the show notes as well. Uh, so, uh, on to the- hold on oh, one yeah. second. I'm going to cut in there for you because I just read about this creepy news story that's developing that anyone listening should watch for. There, oh, there may or may not have been some alien sightings at this uh, solar observatory. It's like the Sunspot, Sunspot Solar Observatory in New Mexico. They've been shut oh, down yeah. since Thursday and are like being like the... FBI is there. Really? Mm-hmm. And people, is that all like, there's saying? all these conspiracy theories. Well, they put out a statement saying it's not aliens, but <laughs> yeah. But if you have to say it, that yeah. usually means that it is aliens. So there's some pictures going around. I haven't really looked into the validity of them because, like I said, I just read this today, but they're like three possible UFO pictures. What? Yeah. Are they, have you seen, the, have you seen yeah, the pictures? Yeah, so it looks, I mean, I don't know what it looks like. I'm really always skeptical of UFO pictures because I don't know what things are in space. 
Right. Like I don't, you show yeah, me a satellite, I'm going to be like, cool, yeah, sure. I would, yeah, I would think it was an alien. Exactly. And all that shit's usually Photoshop. So I'm not saying that there's any validity in this, but I read about it. They shut down this observatory. The FBI is there. Nobody's saying anything about what happened. And they're just like, hey, guys, it's not aliens. So. So it's aliens. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading something the other day, and this, like, gets into total, like, tinfoil hat type stuff, but I was reading about uh, fake news and how, like, you could kind of use the same thing for aliens, whereas, like, if somebody tells you enough that, like, whenever there's an alien story that it's bullshit, that eventually, like, whenever you hear one, you're going to just, like instinctually think like oh that's crap it must be fake because like it's aliens that's ridiculous but if your government is constantly telling you like aliens aren't real guys like that's ridiculous then one day an alien's going to come to the observatory and the government's going to be like no it's definitely not aliens remember we told you they're not real and we're just going to be like oh you're right no aliens so now so i still i'm still very skeptical as well about aliens but Sometimes, like, when I'm, like, three or four beers in and someone tells me about an alien sighting, I'm like, it's probably the government covering it up. Yeah. But that's cool. Know. We, The next episode, we could probably just do um, one of the movies about either, like, abductions or paranormal oh, yeah, stuff with aliens. yeah, a good one that, uh, like, this documentary-style thing that Haas and I watched on Netflix or Hulu or something. Maybe I'll have to look that up. Ooh. I've probably seen it too. So yeah. we'll talk about this. Later. We'll talk about this off air, but that might be episode two. And then hopefully that either aliens by our next episode will have taken over and like their contact point was the observatory or we'll at least get a little bit more to the story that we can add to the end of our aliens episode. Hopefully their contact point is you're creepy. That would be great. Yeah. If they could send us an email to uh, you creepypod at gmail.com and preferably in English, but if it's something else, we could, we could you know, find someone to translate. Thanks, aliens. Thanks. And also listeners, if you want to email in. <laughs> so, on to the creepy topic of this episode. Uh, we actually watched the Spanish horror film Veronica. And Jesse's going to tell you a little bit about that before I get into the true story behind the movie. Yeah, it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, but basically came out in 2017 veronica it's a spanish horror film and it was directed by paco plaza which if you've ever seen those rec movies like rec Mm -hmm. um he did those as well and then it was screened at the 2017 toronto international film festival everybody loved it and people say that it was one of the scariest movies of all time now I, i definitely wouldn't say that you know not in when there's contenders like The Exorcist and The Shining, but you know, if that's your favorite, it's your favorite. I feel like we talked about this when we when we like picked this movie, but I think with and at least for me personally, like with Spanish horror films, it's scarier because you have to read the subtitles so you can't cover your eyes or be on your phone. Like you have to right. be completely immersed in this movie so that you can understand what's going on and to me, like, I am a classic, like, eight, at least eight fingers in front of my face, but, like, they're, like, kind of spread apart. So I can see the screen, but, like, I try and block, like, the 
part of the frame where the ghost will come up? So I do the, um, I put my knees up and I put my knees at like half vision. So I can't see all of the screen either, but I'm looking right. through my knees. Right. So like you, it's, you know, what's going on, Yeah. but it won't be as scary, Yeah. but you can't do that with subtitles. So when you suggested this movie, I, I did, I watched it in the middle of the day with all of the lights on and I sat in like a, a like a folding chair type thing like a straight chair in the center of my room so that I could like really focus on it and it was this it was I think it was scarier for me that way because I couldn't I couldn't like go onto my phone I couldn't cover my eyes I couldn't look away because then I would miss something in the story so because of that there was just like demons just popping out and walking across the room and I had nothing to protect me it was terrifying so I understand when people say that like they couldn't even finish the film I think it's an exaggeration, but also, like, I feel you. I get it. For so, sure. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Oh, Go no, on. no, you're fine. Um, but it was, like, it's based off of this police report from this famous Fayekas case, which we're going to tell you guys about that. But it's loosely based off of it. And it takes place very. in, yeah, very loosely. But, you know, it it's inspired by, I think, is really the better way to phrase it. But, yeah, again, to each their own. But it's in 1991 in Madrid, and it centers around this young teen girl, and she has to take care of her little brothers and sisters after her dad dies. And then basically things go wrong when uh, Veronica and her friends, they attempt to contact her father using a Ouija board, and they sneak down to the basement during the solar eclipse. And then something sinister just follows her home. And then the movie's basically the next three days where she's being tormented by whatever that might be. But I don't yes. want to spoil it for anybody. So if you haven't yeah. seen the movie, honestly, because the story's not that much tied to it, this podcast wouldn't even really spoil it for you. It wouldn't. I know that um, Paco Plaza, in his interviews before this movie came out, sort of said that he, like that, the Vallecas case in Spain is like the equivalent to the real story behind the exorcist in America. So like everyone sort of has some idea of it. It, It's pretty famous or like the Amityville horror. Like everybody knows what that is. It's synonymous with like poltergeist. So he was saying that he knew the story. He knew how famous it was. And it's such a part of like their horror culture there that it sort of inspired him to write this story. So yeah, when you say it's loosely based, it is loosely based like i took notes when i was watching it thinking that there was going to be stuff that we could compare and it was like it wasn't there so the good thing is though you can hear the true story from us and then go watch the film and compare and contrast and it'll be even scarier because you have to read subtitles yeah so it's free it's super easy we're gonna try to pick movies that are streaming for the most part yeah that way people can hopefully watch along and then you'll have an idea of what we're talking about. But yeah. also, we'll try and do do this kind of summary where it's not too spoilery. So if you really want to go back and watch the movie, you can. Especially after you hear the story, I think that'll make it a little bit creepier when you watch it. Just knowing like some of the parallels between the real story and and the movie. So I can get into that next. Yeah, for sure. Um, so our research into the real story behind Veronica begins with a 911 call, which is just like how the movie begins. Um, So on the night of November 27th, 1990, 
the police station in the town of Vallecas, Madrid, received a telephone call from Maximo Gutierrez. Uh, Mr. Gutierrez claimed he and his wife were being haunted by tall, shadowy people and were experiencing strange happenings inside their condo. Um, so when they first made the call, obviously the 911 dispatcher didn't take them too seriously because he was essentially saying that their house was haunted. Right. Um, and this is so an what, adult. Yeah. And this is a grown ass man calling, telling them that there's shadowy figures in his house. Uh, so he passed the phone around to multiple people in the house. And when the 911 dispatcher heard how distraught everybody was, they sent somebody out. They said, okay, we will send someone out to investigate this. So Inspector Jose Negri was the detective that took the case and organized a small squad of officers to help deal with what they believed at the time to be intruders inside the Gutierrez household. Uh, so when Negri and the officers arrived at the house, they met Mr. and Mrs. Gutierrez outside because the couple was too scared to go back into their own home. Um, and then the police made their way inside the home and there were no signs of forced entry on the windows or the doors. And there was also no one else inside the house except for them and now the terrified couple. Uh, so Mr. 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 and Mrs. Gutierrez told the police that they had been haunted by loud banging noises and door slamming at all hours of the day. However, what really got the officer's attention was when Mr. Gutierrez told them about the ominous shadowy beings that they had both seen walking about their residence, which if you're a police officer and you go into someone's house and they tell you that basically there's ghosts, I, I feel like you have the you smirk on your face. Like, yeah. Okay. You're like, oh, really? It's ghosts? And then I would try and smell their breath to see if they were drunk. I right. would look around for drug paraphernalia. I would just assume, like, you, you somebody got into something bad and you're Where's having... Where's the bath salts? Exactly. So, so he described them as tall shadows that walked past the hallways and peered through doorways, which huh. is very similar to the dark figures that you'll see lurking in the apartment in Veronica, the film. That's terrifying. Um, Oh my god, so scary. Because you could so, like, almost see some definition. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. D like, Mr. and Mrs. Gutierrez, uh, Veronica is based off of this family, obviously, and to them, this was real. So even if they were like hallucinating or whatever was going on, even watching it in a movie was terrifying. So I could see what I would call the police too. Yeah. Um. So Mr. Gutierrez also recounted a time. Or Mrs. Gutierrez, sorry. She recounted a time when she had been grabbed in the middle of the night by a pair of what she called invisible hands. Uh, she told them that she felt pressure on top of her, but there was no one around. Um, and then she said to Mr. Gutierrez, there's someone here. And then felt a pair of hands grab her feet and then grab her hands, which were uncovered by the blanket. So at this point, <laughs> Inspector Negri wasn't really sure what to make of any of this uh, so he ordered a couple of his men to stay in the living room with Mrs. Gutierrez and he and two other officers went with Mr. Gutierrez into the master bedroom Right. Um, so in there they were talking I guess he was still trying to ex figure out what the hell was going on in this house um, and all of a sudden they heard this really loud bang come from outside the bedroom's balcony um, they heard it and described it as what sounded like a large, heavy boulder rolling across the balcony's tile floor. Huh. So, yeah. Which, 
is kind of scary. Yeah. So now you're now you're these police officers and you're investigating this house and like even if you don't think it's haunted, you think there may be an intruder or these people are crazy. And you don't know which way is up. So you're in this bedroom and you hear this boulder going what sounds like a boulder going across the balcony. So they go out to investigate. And when they open the doors that led to the balcony, they didn't see anything. There was no heavy thing that rolled across. There was no signs of anything unusual. And there was no one out there. Um, so they went back into the living room to ask everybody else if they had heard it or seen anything weird. And nobody had. Um, however, in that moment, when they were all in the living room together, one of the doors to one of their armoire like the big furniture right. swung open and almost hit one of the officers. Huh. So now they're all nervous and they even drew their guns from their holsters and they were pointing towards this large piece of furniture to investigate. Right. They and think turned, someone's in it. Yeah. They think that, yeah, exactly. Cause still as a police officer, you're thinking it's an intruder or right. it's some sort of like a thing that can be explained. Um, but there was nobody there. And there was no one near the furniture and there were no strings or, or what they call trickery of any kind to make the door swing open. Um, I think that Inspector Negri in his police report actually said that it was like a perfectly constructed door, but that there was something unnatural that happened with it. So like there's documented proof that these officers and the inspector were starting to get a little bit spooked. So the officers and the inspector obviously had no idea what was going inside going on inside this house or what was behind what they had just witnessed. Um, so two of the officers actually decided that they had seen a little too much and left the house and decided they were going to wait outside for the rest of this. Okay. Um, because at this point, I guess a couple people started to believe the Gutierrez family that, that the house was haunted. Well, yeah, even police officers are superstitious and the people yeah. that are going to believe more are gonna be nervous right especially in in spain i'm assuming that a lot of people are are more religious so yeah. if you see something like this you you think this is unnatural i gotta get the fuck out of here which is i'm sure what they thought so while sitting in the dining room uh the couple told the officers about the strange death of their daughter now this is where the inspiration behind veronica comes from uh so their daughter's name was estefania gutierrez and she had died just a few years before this 911 call had taken place. Okay. Um, her, her death, they believed, was brought upon by something otherworldly. Uh, so according to the Gutierrez family, about two years before the death of their 18-year-old daughter, Estefania, uh, she had been caught in the middle of a seance using a Ouija board at school. So according to them, their daughter had developed a slight interest in the occult, which led to her and her friends to perform a makeshift seance at school. Um, and they were, I think they were attempting to contact the boyfriend of one of the girls who had recently died in a tragic motorcycle accident, which is totally something that you do as a teen. Yep. Like, I feel like you're, you're younger, so you're more open to this kind of stuff. So like, it's, it's plausible that you would and not even be like obsessed with the occult, but just think like, Oh, let's try this Ouija board. Yeah. Um, I did that, and I also used to play, like, light as a feather, stiff as a board all the time, yeah. and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, like Bloody Mary, yeah. just, like, stuff to, like... Oh, Bloody Mary I was scared of, but we would do it. Yeah, I was like, just, you're just, like... I believed it. Yeah, you're, like, more open to stuff like that. So, 
it's like a really good time to like reach out and do your own research and like get into the occult. But apparently they had this seance and they were interrupted at school. Uh, so her parents reported that when a teacher who was a nun, which you'll see is, is like in the movie, the school's run by nuns. Um, so when the teacher caught Estefania and her friends inside the darkened room with the spirit board in the center, she immediately scolded the group and actually ripped the board apart. Um, Mm -hmm. so she, she ripped the board and then she broke the glass that the girls had been using as a makeshift planchette. So, uh, normally there's that like wooden piece you know, I don't, I don't know. You is don't it shaped like it. a heart? What's it shaped like? It's uh, like, a, like a spade almost. And it's got like a little hole in the center. Yeah. It's for like, for everybody, like you put your hands it on it. It is and... sort of shaped like a heart. So... Yeah. I, I see. I've never done. Or like a, no. I've never used a legit one, but I'm, I you mean. You make your own. That's uh, like. Yeah, I made it. That's cooler. Yeah, but, I so, guess. So these girls were using some kind of glass as like a makeshift planchette. Um. So when the nun took the board and ripped everything apart, it broke the planchette and both the teacher and the girls claimed that they saw something in the form of like trapped smoke or vapors escape from the glass when they lifted it. And then it was accidentally inhaled by Estefania. Huh. So even the teacher was like, right. Even the nun. Exactly. So they all saw that. And apparently... This was the catalyst for for her problems. After this, the uh, her parents claimed that from that moment on, their daughter's physical and mental health began deteriorating. So days later, Estefania began having seizures and hallucinatory visions that her mother said that she had never suffered from before. Huh. Um, Estefania would sometimes go into fits of wild rage, they said, Uh they described her as snarling and barking at her younger brothers. Um, other times, she would tell her parents that she would just see shadowy people walk past her bedroom at night. Um, people she would describe as strange and evil looking. Um, and I think with, there's so many differing stories with this case because it's in Spanish and there's bits and pieces all over the place. And a lot of people have translated over the years. Um, plus, the Gutierrez family has actually done TV spots. So... The story gets muddied, but one of the accounts said that uh, toward the, as her illness got progressively worse, she started to tell her family that the evil spirits that she was seeing were telling her that it was time for her to come with them, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's a little scary. Yeah, that's, that's not very comforting. <laughs> no, not at all. So the couple naturally took their daughter in for an examination, uh, but none of the doctors could find anything physically wrong with her. Uh, which led them to believe that the girl had suffered a type of psychotic episode. So for about six months, Estefani was tested and checked by a number of doctors at a bunch of different hospitals, but no one could give the Gutierrez family a straight diagnosis of what their daughter was suffering from. Um, So all the while, this poor girl was, was suffering and her health just got worse and worse. And I'm sure the family was frustrated because they're taking her to all these doctors and no one can tell them what's wrong. But she's having seizures and visions and basically telling them that there's evil spirits talking to her. Right. Um, so they they went on to tell the officers that during the last months of Estefania's life, she began having bouts of seizures pretty much everywhere she went. 
like on the subway, buses, at home, in class. She wasn't safe from this illness anywhere that she went. Um, so as her health worsened, so did the hallucinations and the voices that she said were bothering her throughout the day and the nights. So a few months after all of this began, she actually passed away. Huh. Um, yeah. So Estefania passed away in her bedroom and there was no official cause of death. They just said that uh, her medical report said that it was heart and lung failure. Um, so Estefania's parents attributed it to her involvement with the occult. I guess because the doctors couldn't give her any answers, they sort of turned to their religion or the spirits and, and just assumed that whatever was haunting her when she was alive must have taken her. Um, so it was then, after she had died, that they actually began to experience the unexplained phenomenon that she was being haunted by. Um, so like the slamming of doors, electric appliances turning off and on, faint whispering, um, and shadowy figures. Your standard phantom, yeah. like, yeah, that's your like, starter kit. Exactly. Like the phantom. Poltergeist starter haunting, kit. Haunting starter kit. Yeah. Slamming of doors. You got to hear whispers, shadowy beings. Light switch turning on and yeah. off. Light yeah. switch turning on and off. Very, yes. Textbook. Classic, classic spoopy stuff. So now... The the parents are sitting here with these police officers and the inspector basically telling them this horrifying story. And as they're telling the story, they start to hear a loud commotion coming from Estefania's room. So they're hearing loud banging and what they described as thrashing sounds coming from behind the closed door, which obviously scared the shit out of everyone. Because, right. <laughs> like... Right. So you're sitting there and you're investigating and you don't know if there's an intruder, but then they're telling you about their daughter who was apparently plagued by demons. And now they're experiencing the demons. And here comes, you know, demons. If, if I'm a cop and that happens, that's whenever I'm just like, all right, guys, well, I cannot help you with right. this I'm anymore. Like, right. Y'all need Jesus. It's your problem so, like, now. Call your local church. Um because police can't help you. It's demons. Yep. I'm so sorry for your loss. And also, get the fuck out of this house. For like, sure. that's scary. So, Maximo, the father, Mr. Gutierrez, he led the way to the, his deceased daughter's room. Because the police obviously are braver than we are. <laughs> and chose to stick around and investigate. And uh, when they opened the door, they saw a crucifix laying in the middle of the floor. And the Christ figure had been separated from the cross. Totally normal. Terrifying. And yeah. I don't know if you ha ever had one of those crucifixes, yeah. but Jesus, he's he is there to stay. Right. Like I had one of those from my grandpa that was on my wall when I got here. And it's fallen a bunch of times just from people slamming the door or demons. I don't know which, but it, it, the, the, the Christ doesn't come off the cross. Until he's ready. Oh, I would and, take that as a bad sign, right? Like, if if it goes down one day and, like, Jesus isn't on it anymore, that is not... <laughs> he's gone. He can't help you. Yeah. It's like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I should be comforted by that. My Jesus has stayed on the crucifix. Yeah. So so they're, they're showing the officers this crucifix that had become separated from the cross. And Maximo then points up to the wall... And you could see the the nail where the crucifix, crucifix had hung from. There was a poster behind it. 
And there was like a claw mark and shredding on that poster. So that poster was still there and the nail was still there. It was just the crucifix that had fallen. Um, So obviously when they observed this, they assumed again that it must be some sort of intruder. So the inspector ordered his men to check the other door in the bedroom that led to a balcony for signs of forced entry. Um, And that was locked and there was no sign of anyone outside or anywhere near Estefania's room. So as these men examined the room, they could hear a loud pounding noise that echoed across the entire room. And no source of this noise was ever found, which is also just very creepy. Yeah. So fuck that. Max, right? Like, and they're still in this house. After all of this, after hearing that whole story, seeing the armoire open up, they're still in the house like, hmm, I wonder what's going on. <laughs> so the inspector then ordered his men... Uh, to stay in the room while he talked to Maximo. And Maximo told the officers that while he was in that same room, he had witnessed his son being pushed by an unseen force. Because the the Gutierrez family had, like in the movie, they had two other daughters and a son, I believe. And I know that the two daughters also, also experienced... Um, what they saw uh, described as shadowy figures. Um, theirs was a little creepier, though. They said that it was, like, dragging itself along the ground, oh. which is really scary. And then, yeah, there was there was uh, the day that Maximo was playing with his son, and he said that he, like, saw this invisible force, like, pick his son up and basically throw him. Um, and Why then cons- did they still live there? Okay, right, their like, daughter died. Right? Ghosts are throwing yeah. your other child around the room, and you're just like, oh, well... We don't want to have to move. That's a hassle. 